Welcome, Calvary Quakertown. It's great to have you join us this morning. All right, thought I'd start with a question. So how's 2021 going for you so far? Uh, if it's going terribly, well, you still have a lot of year to kind of get things going in the right direction. If it's going great, you have a lot of year to mess it up and cause it to end up terribly. But I made a guarantee to you last week that I still stand by. And the guarantee is this. If we would understand, live out, and apply the principles from this series, we will be better in 2021, and we will make the world a better place as well. So I hope you kind of travel with us as we look at, at select passages from Matthew's gospel, helping to understand the king. Now, we started last week by looking at the beginning and the end of Matthew's gospel. The resume of Jesus, that came in the form of a genealogy, and then the mission at the end. And Jesus' mission is to make disciples, that's what he did and that's what he continues to do, but now he does it through us. So we have the awesome privilege of following Jesus and continuing his mission of making disciples. Well, we've got a treat this morning, and that is that we get to have a little conversation with a member of the Calvary community that actually has been and is doing that. So I'm going to ask Eric Barlow if he would come up. Thank you, Charles. Eric, it's good to have you join us this morning. Thank you so much. Now, for those of you with super great memories, I'm not sure who this is, we actually interviewed Eric's wife, Amy, over two years ago before they went to East Asia to make disciples. I didn't realize it was two and a half years ago. I said to Eric this morning, it was about a year ago, right, Charles? Yeah. That was two and a half years ago. Well, anyway, uh, you went to East Asia with the family, wife, five children. Uh, what are you doing here? Yes. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for having me. And yeah, in the back row, we have my wife and, and our five kiddos back there. So make sure you say hi to them. Yeah, so we were, we were in AC, uh, East Asia for a year and a half, and... Uh, it was about, actually about a year ago, January 13th, where we left our apartment and we went to Vietnam for two weeks and had a little vacation on the beach, had an amazing time. From there, we traveled to South Korea where we were um, attending a missionary conference. And we were there for about a week and it was during that time that COVID really kind of blew up. And our flights back to our, our home country were canceled and we really wanted to get back. So we tried to book on a different airline. They got canceled as well. So we uh, were kind of forced to fly back stateside. We flew into Philly on February 3rd, fully expecting to be here for only a few weeks at the most. Still yeah, here. We still are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know mom and dad are happy you're home, right? Yeah, Dev and Jeff, they're happy you're here. <laughs> well, um, what were you doing in that year and a half or so before you had to come back here? What was going on? What was it like making disciples in that very different kind of context? Yeah, it's a good question. And... You know, um, in, our, in our country, the, the cost of following Jesus is, is very high for them. So when someone makes a choice to start following the Lord and wanting to become discipled, um, it's, it's a great cost, and it's a long, patient process to be able to build trust with someone in a way that you can share with them the good news and kind of walk them through that discipleship process. And so we were there for a year and a half, studying the language, trying to connect with our neighbors and make friends and have the chance of doing that. But yeah, like I said, it's a very slow, patient process. And over that year and a half, you know, to be honest, Charles, it's actually very, very difficult. 
It was, um, we're in a city that there's very few other foreigners there. And so for the most part, we're very lonely. Didn't really have any friends. Yeah, the cultural transition is difficult um, for us as adults, obviously for our five kids. Learn the language, very hard, difficult thing to do. And um, so yeah, that, that year and a half of our desire of going and make disciples was, was a very difficult thing. And um, oftentimes people say, like, how, how can you do that? Like, how, how do you do that? You have, a, you have a wife, you have a kids. How do you just kind of rip yourself out of where you are in the States and, and move overseas into a place like that? And I know for us, um, when we have the clarity of a why, we can bear almost any how. And our why is, is Jesus glorified. And we see in Revelation 7-9 um, this incredible picture of John saying, and you'll behold, I see this multitude that no one can count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and worshiping the king. And for us, as we get that picture of a why, of all the nations coming before him and glorifying him, that how becomes bearable. That how of of the great commission of going and and making disciples of, of all nations and um, so it's, it's been a process, but that's where we're at. Good. Well, you don't know the details of the future, um, but what do you anticipate in the near term and in the long term once you uh, get to return? Yes, good question. So we are actually um, hopefully in the process of moving to Colorado Springs, um, maybe in the next month or so, and joining another missionary community there that's really focused on frontier missions in our region of the world and um, hanging out and serving in that community until we can go back. Like I said, we, we flew in February 3rd last year thinking we are going to be back <laughs> in a few weeks and um, just constant discouragement and, and uncertainty and, and unknowing. COVID is just not going away, as all of us know. Um, so we, yeah, we really don't know when we can go back, but we don't want to just kind of sit around here forever. So um, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to connect with that crew. And then as we are able to get our visas and make our way back to um, our home in East Asia, uh, we're going to be transitioning to doing a business as mission. And so for our family, our kind, of, um, our kind of why as a family is we feel like we are called to um, make Jesus known and famous in the least reached areas of the world. And in order to really make disciples in our region of the world, you can't go as a typical missionary and plan a church or host a public Bible study. You, you just can't do that. Um, but, you, but what we can do is do very similar things um, that churches create, which is community and authentic relationships and a place to do life together. And so we're going to be doing that through business and through CrossFit, an exercise program, of, uh, yeah, building community and natural, authentic relationships in a place that we can hopefully be able to make friends and share the gospel and to then to walk them through discipleship of hopefully glorifying Christ in their life. Great. We don't have time to discuss a lot more of the details, but I would encourage you to uh, send an email. We can go to bar, uh, barlows at highrange.org. Get information there. You can email dialogue with Eric and Amy. Uh, keep in touch with what they're doing. Uh, we will be praying as a group. I encourage you to pray as uh, individuals and families for what they're doing and for our other missionaries as well. We join me as we pray. Lord, thanks for uh, your mission that you give us the privilege and the responsibility to be part of. 
Lord, thanks for Eric and Amy, for the kids, as they take seriously the fact that you have all authority, you call us to all nations, and you promise that you'll be with us in that task. Lord, I pray a blessing upon them. May they use the um, months that they're waiting to return uh, for further training to actually make disciples while they're here and keep doing what you're calling them to do regardless of where they are. Lord, I pray that the desires of their heart would be met, that they would be able to return, that they would be able to have a fruitful ministry different than we're able to do it here, but Lord, using that business to glorify Christ, help others understand who he is so that they then can, can continue the ripples of taking the gospel to the world. Lord, thanks for them, and we pray a blessing upon them. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Eric. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can clap for him if you want. That's good. Well, this morning in Matthew's gospel, we're going to, Matthew introduces us to someone who introduces us to Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 3. It's a pretty short chapter. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's um, all about John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist comes, Matthew introduces him. He then introduces Jesus. So we're going to get to know a lot about Jesus. And I encourage you to kind of read more about what John does, what he has to say, because John's introduction of Jesus helps us understand who he is a little more clearly. Let's read Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region around Jordan. Confessing their sin, they were baptized by John in the Jordan. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We could spend weeks looking at John the Baptist. We've only got a few minutes. We're going to divide our time into two sections, mission and message. Let's talk a little bit about John's mission, which is going to be similar to ours. It's going to sound similar. And then we'll talk about uh, the message. 
Now, John just pops on the scene in Matthew chapter 3. If you read Luke's gospel, you get a whole bunch of information about John's birth and John's parents. Matthew doesn't include any of that. You can read that on your own if you want. But Matthew, does, Matthew knows that John just pops on the scene, but John was actually promised years and years before. Like in the 8th century B.C., we read in Matthew at chapter 3, 3, Isaiah tells that John is coming. Hey, one day, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And then in Malachi chapter 3, the last book of the Old Testament, we read, I will send my messenger, 400, 500 years before Jesus shows up, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So John may just pop on the scene right before Jesus, but John was promised centuries before. Well, what was John's mission? What was it all about? Well, you kind of see it in the, in the verse there. He came to prepare the way. <laughs> Do you ever notice um, preparation's pretty important? For example, if you're going to bake a cake, not that I bake cakes, but if you were going to bake a cake, you have to do some preparation. You preheat the oven. You grease the pan, I think. You bring the ingredients out. You make, make sure Charles tastes the batter to make sure it's suitable. You see, there's a lot of preparation, and the cake isn't going to turn out well if you don't have proper preparation. If you're going to paint a room or paint a wall, not that I paint a wall or a room, but if you are, preparation's pretty important, right? You find the little holes, right? You find the places. You then spackle them. You sand the spackle. You prime it. Are you impressed? I know all that. Uh, you prime them. And the better the preparation, the better the finished product. Believe it or not, delivering a sermon involves some preparation. And here's my guess. You know when good preparation hasn't been done, and you know when preparation has been done. Preparation is always important. John comes to prepare the way. He prepares the way for Jesus. He kind of gets people's attention, opens their eyes, begins the message. John gets attention. In the little description that I read from Matthew, and it's kind of mentioned in at least three of the Gospels, John would have certainly got your attention, wouldn't he? First of all, he lives in the desert. Look, there are people that are forced to live in the desert. I don't know too many people that like choose to live in the desert and then all of a sudden come out at the right time and begin to announce things as if you kind of have heard from God. His uh, outfit was a little strange, right? He wore a camel hair coat. Uh, I'm guessing that that couldn't have been super comfortable. It would have gotten people's attention, though. He wore a leather belt. He ate bugs, right? And why you had to put the honey in there because the bugs were so nasty, probably. That would get people's attention, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. And if you know the Bible, you would know that that crazy outfit wasn't just something John chose to be eccentric. That was the exact outfit. And that was the exact place where Elijah was. Elijah wore a camel's coat with a leather belt. Elijah was in the desert for long periods of time. And John also got people's attention because he liked to trash talk, right? 
And so people come out, he's kind of real nice to the people. He calmed them to repent. You know, if you have the repentance message, you're not going to be everyone's best friend, right? You're calling them to change their lives and such. But then when the religious leaders would come, would come kind of the goody goodies, what does he say? You brood of vipers, you wretched snakes. Who told you to come out here? I don't want you to change your lives. You're going to get what you deserve. Who told you to change? You know, when you trash talk the religious leaders, when you dress like a madman and you live in the desert, you're going to get people's attention. What's John's purpose? What's the mission? He then introduces Jesus. So he, he prepares the way, calling people to repent. He then gets their attention, and then he focuses that attention onto Jesus. Jesus shows up. John says, hey, I think you need to be baptized. John says, but I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize, baptize me. Jesus said, no, no, no. It's supposed to be this way. And John baptizes Jesus. Just to make sure everybody kind of gets the picture, as John is lifting Jesus out of the water, God the Father speaks. He kind of says, well, I'm going to kind of be here as well. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Wow. So you get John introducing, God validating Jesus, all three members, the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's really a cool scene at the Jordan, right? Now, with that in mind, um, I know some of you know the story, kind of how it goes from here. But how would you expect, like, John's ministry to go? Like, he's dedicated. I mean, he's almost dedicated to a fanatical extent. He's living in the desert, wearing prophetic clothes, announcing this message that God wants to get out, pointing to Jesus as the good news. I mean, he's on a trajectory to the heights, right? His popularity is growing. Everything is wonderful. What would you expect? Well, they're going to kind of, you know, introduce him and induct him into the hall of religious fame. And John, uh, you know what happens to John? Three things. You can read the rest of the Matthew. Three things. He's imprisoned. What? He's thrown in prison for that. You see, he took that repent theme uh, a little too seriously and got real specific. Like he talked to, um, he called somebody out, like Herod the Great's son, Herod Antipas. He kind of called him out. And here's what he said. I'm not just saying repent in general. For example, you, Herod, you married your niece, who is also your brother's wife. That's not right. You shouldn't have done that. You need to repent. Interestingly, Herod, kind of like us, right? Rather than change and solve the problem, he gets rid of the one presenting or voicing the problem, throws him into prison. John then has doubts when he's in prison. And that's right, he's in prison. Here's John, this radical fanatic who you think is like ultrally committed, as he really is. He begins to doubt. And in Matthew chapter 11, you read it. He sends some of his disciples to Jesus with this question. Jesus, are you really the one or should we like expect somebody else? But that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because John had a set of expectations based on his message. And the expectations were, hey, uh, I'm preaching repentance and judgment. You don't repent, you get judged. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up. He's preaching repentance. But the judgment theme is kind of being downplayed. Jesus is big on forgiveness, big on grace, not a whole lot of judgment. John's thinking, wait a minute, I'm in prison. I'm put on the shelf with a crazy evil guy um, on the throne. He's ruling 
I'm on the bench. I'm in these miserable conditions. Jesus is out there doing just fine. Maybe there's a different Messiah we should be looking for. Jesus then says to John's disciple, you go back and tell John. There are two pieces to the mission of the Messiah. There is judgment. There is making things right, and that's coming. But judgment comes after the mission of grace and forgiveness. John, both pieces are right, but there's a gap in between. You missed the gap. And just like you heard my father say when I came out of the water, I am the king promised in Psalm 2, but I am also the servant that will suffer from Isaiah 42. John, I'm both of those things. And the disciples go back. So John's in prison. John has doubts. And John's executed. That's how the story ends. How's John's story end? He has his head chopped off while he's in prison. That's the end of the story. That's his mission. Preparing, getting attention, introducing, announcing Jesus. He's thrown in prison. He begins to doubt because his expectations aren't met with reality. And when our expectations don't fit reality, we never question our expectations, do we? We question reality. Our expectations must be right. It's the reality that's somehow flawed. You know, it's often not that way with Jesus. What we expect him to be and expect him to do often is not what he actually winds up doing. And rather than questioning our expectations, we wind up actually questioning the reality of who he is and what he's come to do. So that's, um, that's the mission in a nutshell. I encourage you to uh, read those chapters. You can find them in Matthew 3, Matthew 11, Matthew 14. Those are the three chapters that talk about John the Baptist. But that was kind of a 30,000-foot view. But I don't want to end by talking about um, John's mission. I want to end talking about John's message. Because it's the message that got him in trouble. It's the message that actually allowed the mission to happen. And Matthew tells us clearly what the message is. Here's the message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, a little uh, kind of side note you need to keep in mind. Matthew probably wrote his gospel primarily for Jews, right, trying to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah, so it's real kind of Jewish sounding. Interestingly, it's also the clearest gospel telling us to go to the nations, all nations, take the. And so it's really Jewish, which means... Matthew is not going to use God's name when he often writes. Because remember, it was kind of like a sin. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, to kind of protect that, you weren't allowed to use the Lord's name at all. So Matthew, rather than saying, rather than quoting Jesus as saying the kingdom of God, he's going to say the kingdom of heaven. Same thing, just Matthew's using a different word to not offend anybody. But the main message is repent. Well, what in the world is repent? And why should we repent? And how do we repent? I'm glad you asked. Well, first of all, what is repent? Now, I know. The word repent or repentance, it sounds real old school, right? Really old school religious. And, you know, kind of fire, <clears throat> brimstone, John, you expect John. What is repent? Well, repent just means to turn, to return, or to change. That's all it means. So the word is not really, we kind of co-opted it and it's become more of a religious term, but it just means to turn, to return, or to change. And so what John is saying to the people that come out to see him, 
You need to change. You need to turn. You need to return to God. You need to change because you've adopted other priorities. You need to change because your attitudes are demonstrating your new priority. They're manifesting that your heart is now out of sync. So you need to change the way you're living. You need to turn from what you're believing and trusting, and you need to return to God. That's the message. Now, my guess is, most often, uh, we most often hear the words change, turn, return uh, when we're driving. So I'll tell you, uh, it, it kind of a weird story. You would think with GPS it's hard to get lost. I got like super lost with GPS. A few weeks ago, uh, Kim and I have to find an address in um, Plymouth Meeting, Plymouth Meeting. I've never seen the address. I know the road that it's on. I probably have driven by it. I have no idea where it is, but I've got GPS, right? Ways on my phone. So we plug in the address. So we're driving, and we drive down Germantown Pike. Make a right here off Germantown. You got to make a U-turn because we got to come back up Germantown Pike. Right? Make a right, kind of go on this back road through an alley. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Make a right. As soon as I make a left back onto Germantown Pike, I'm ready for the address. Immediately, Way says, You've missed your location. You have to make, make, make a U-turn. I just turned on the Germantown Pike. How in the world did I make a mistake? I do the loop. It's like a two-mile loop. Do the loop again. Go down Germantown Pike. Make a right off Germantown Pike. Make a left on the other road. Come the other. Make a left. Now make another left back on the Germantown. You missed your address again. It's behind you. Turn. Make a U-turn. We never found the address. But I did hear an awful lot. You need to change. You need to repent. You need to turn. Make a U-turn. We're kind of used to hearing. That was John's basic message. And you want to know something? We need to hear John's message. It's not just the Pharisees. It's not just the Sadducees. It's not just the people in Jesus' day. We need to hear that message, don't we? Because look, let's be honest. Be honest with yourself if you won't be with the people around you or with me. Is there anything in your life that you think Jesus would point at and say, you need to stop that. Is there anything in your life that Jesus would point at and say, you need to start this? Is there anything in your life, any attitude, priority, habit, whatever, is there anything Jesus would point at and say, you need to turn away from this? You need to change this. You need to return to having God as the right priority, your top priority, and the right attitudes. I'm suspecting there's at least one or two things. We need John's message. Why? Did you hear what John said? Repent because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is near. And right after that, the Isaiah quote says, repent because the king is here. Here's what Matthew's saying. Here's what John's saying. Here's what Isaiah's saying. Malachi's saying. Here's what Jesus repeatedly says. Guys, the time is now. Don't put this off. Look, I know we're a bunch of procrastinators, right? You don't put off the turning, change, returning thing. You do it now. Jesus is here. Jesus, the kingdom is near. Let's get the priority thing right now. Let's get the attitude thing right now so that we begin to live out those characteristics of the kingdom even today. Now's the time. The king has come. The kingdom has begun. Let's do it. Well, how? Just like John says, own your sin. Own it. 
Whatever you think Jesus will point at, no excuses, no defensiveness, not like Herod trying to get rid of the person pointing out the problem. Own the problem. Yes, I lie regularly. Own it. Yes, I've been living for a different set of priorities. Yes, I put my political affiliations above the affiliations of the gospel. I put my love of this or that person above my love for Jesus. Name it, own it, and turn to Jesus in place of it. Acknowledge your sin. Admit your need and ask Jesus to be your king and live in light of what he says. That's John's basic message. It's a message that needs to be heard today as much as it needed to be heard the first time he said it, and the same as the day when Jesus came up out of the water. Admit your sin. Acknowledge, admit it. Admit your need. And accept Jesus as the only solution, your number one priority, and live out the principles of the kingdom. We need John because we get sidetracked. And that crazy, freaky dressed guy gets it right. Maybe he can get our attention too. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning for this, uh, for this crazy figure whose name we mention and description we read and we kind of smile or laugh to ourselves. And yet, Lord, he gets the main stuff right. He knows what the problem is, and he knows that Jesus is the solution. I pray, Lord, that in a large degree or in a small degree, that every one of us this morning would actually do what John called his first hearers to see and to do. Help us acknowledge our sin, to admit our need, and to accept Jesus as the only solution and then follow him closely, our king, the last and final king. We pray in his name. Amen.